Welcome to The Female Investors, the podcast that breaks down the complexities of investing in the market to make you more confident when investing. I am Genevieve, your host, and today we will be looking at all things broker, brokerage, and how you can actually start putting your money into investments. Let's get straight into it. So in case you didn't know, a broker is a person or these days an app who buys or sells goods or assets for you and is basically the intermediary between you and an exchange. So a broker is actually the essential thing that you need to gain access to the market. Without a broker, you can't actually buy any stocks or shares. So they are very important for your investing journey and the selection of your broker will actually make a big difference in the long term in terms of what you can invest in and how much you end up investing in the future because of brokerage fees. So there are a couple of key ways that a broker will impact your investments and let's look at the key feature that a broker has. First and foremost... A broker will charge you a fee. Now, these fees are usually disclosed up front because that's what they have to do, but they can be in different forms. You can have an upfront brokerage fee, which is a fee that you pay on each trade, while some other brokers will charge you a percentage of each trade, or they might even charge you a percentage of the holdings in your account. I have seen historically some brokers that say they don't charge any fees, but what they actually do is they bake in some kind of performance or management fee into the price of the ETF or the stock that you're buying. So you're not actually getting the best price for that. So I always encourage you to read the product disclosure statement so that you get the best understanding of what you're paying for both through your brokerage fees and what you're actually buying when you buy the stock. The second and arguably most important feature of a broker is that they give you access to the market, but not all brokers actually give you the same access. You'll have some brokers that give you access to US markets, some that give you access to Australian markets, and then we often distinguish trading and investing apps from what we call a micro-investing app. So a micro-investing app is a broker that will allow you to invest in a smaller pool of ETFs or portfolios. And these are apps like Raise, Spaceship, even Comsec Pocket. So they give you a smaller amount of choice, but it also comes with lower fees. So the choice of your broker will also determine the choice of what you can actually invest in. And that will play a big part then in how much you can earn. Because if you can only invest in three ETFs that aren't performing as well as some of the stocks that are in the market, then you're kind of limiting your potential. That being said, and as we'll go into further in the podcast, you don't need to be limited to one broker. So that's good. I think Something that I found really interesting when I started looking into brokers was the ownership structure of how you buy shares. So firstly, some brokers will allow you to buy what we call a fractional share, which means that you don't actually hold the full share. So as you may know, some shares can reach very high share prices. For example, Afterpay has been sitting around $100 for the past couple months. Anyway, we're looking at a three-digit share price. 
So you might not have $100 to invest in Afterpay or you may not want to put, for example, half of your investment into one single stock. So what some brokers allow you to do is to buy what we call a fractional share, which means that instead of saying that you want one share that may be really expensive, you can say, I want $50 worth of Afterpay, which means that you might be looking at half a share. As we've discussed Shares come with a right to be an owner of a business. So you have voting rights, you have rights to the dividend. When you're buying a fractional share, you don't actually have voting rights anymore because the company is already divided into millions of tiny shares. We can't be subdividing those voting rights anymore into partial shares. So when you buy a fractional share, you give up on some of the voting rights and ownership rights. You still get dividends in the same fraction that you hold the share, but you don't have the same voting rights. Another thing about fractional shares is that you will not have what we call chess sponsorship. Now, chess sponsorship is a concept that is specifically Australian and chess stands for Clearinghouse Electronic Subregister System. And it is basically a registry held by the ASX, the Australian Securities Exchange, with all the owners of individual stocks or ETFs. So the reason why chess sponsorship is important, and it's not really a concern when you're only starting off with small amounts of money, but as this registry is held by the ASX, if your broker were to go bust, the ASX would still hold proof that you bought those shares through the broker and therefore you have a claim to those shares. When you're working with fractional shares or any broker that does not give you chess sponsorship, if that broker were to go bankrupt and then decided that they couldn't give you back any of the shares, you may be liable to just losing that money and it'd be much harder for you to go to the ASX and say, well, I own 50% of an afterpay share because that's a much more difficult claim. Once again, it's a concern that is quite far removed and we're hoping that none of the brokers that we're using are going to go broke anytime soon. See what I did there? Uh But still something you may want to think about in terms of what the ownership structure of your shares is and how you buy your shares and what you're investing in. One final feature of a broker that I think is interesting to look at is the degree of additional services that they offer to you through their platform. So some brokers will give you just a bare minimum. Here's the price as it currently stands. You can buy it or sell it. They might give you a chart. And mostly, as you would expect, a lower cost broker will give you less information than a more expensive broker. But some brokers will give you access to research paper from equity specialists. They'll give you a range of charts that allow you to really see how the share price has changed over time in shorter or longer periods. You might have an easier interface for you to look at and just really understand what you're doing. So that may also be a feature that you want to consider when choosing a broker is how much information do I need when I'm using this app or using this platform and how often do I think I'm going to use it. To summarize, some of the key features a broker has is they charge you fees and these fees are going to be different across brokers. They give you access to the market. They offer different kinds of share ownership and some of them will provide additional services. 
Another thing that I didn't mention, some brokers will charge you a fee if you haven't been active with that brokerage account. So that's another thing you want to look out for. Now that we know that each broker is going to have a different mix of these four key features, we want to be thinking about how you're going to use your brokerage account and how to tailor the broker that you choose to your needs. The first thing that should give you comfort, as I was saying before, is that you don't need to stick with one broker for your entire life. You can choose a variety of different brokers. What I did when I started off was just downloaded a bunch of brokerage apps and decided to explore them. If they didn't, if they weren't charging me any fees to just hold an open account, I would explore the brokerage app, see what the kind of offerings there were, track the kind of investments that I thought would be interesting. And that way I felt comfortable when I did start investing that I'd at least given some thought to some of the brokerage apps that were out there and felt comfortable with my choice. The only thing with opening multiple brokerage accounts is that once you get to be a bit of a more advanced investor, you may want to consolidate all of your accounts with one broker and that generally comes with a cost. I think with the big four banks, if you decide you want to transfer your share ownership to another big four broker platform, the big four banks are Commonwealth, NAB, Westpac and ANZ. Then that transfer will usually cost you around $50 for each transfer. So it can get quite expensive really fast if you're changing brokers and consolidating brokers all the time. But once again, as a beginner investor, you may not be consolidating for some time and you may need the flexibility of choosing different brokers to actually feel comfortable with the way that you're investing. So yeah, I think that there's definitely some comfort in knowing that when you start off, you don't need to stick to the first broker you start off with. So you can feel really comfortable with exploring and choosing the broker that suits best to you. But when we are choosing a broker, I think that some of the key questions you need to ask are the following. How frequently are you going to invest? How much are you going to invest each time? How much choice do you want and how much information do you need from a broker? So let's break these questions down a little bit and then see why these questions are important for your brokerage selection. So firstly, how frequently do you want to invest with your broker and how much do you want to be investing at a time? In previous episodes, we've talked about how you can invest with as little as five, ten, a hundred, two hundred dollars, depending on the kind of broker you use. And that's true, but not all brokerage accounts are going to give you that opportunity. Some of the bigger, more advanced brokers are going to require that you make investments, say above $500, because they're charging a brokerage fee above of $10 and you're investing in individual shares. So you're not going to be able to just chuck in $10 because that doesn't even cover brokerage. So that wouldn't be the choice that you make if you're trying to start small. On the other hand, apps like Spaceship will be a good start because not only do they allow for smaller trades, but they also don't charge you per trade. But once you hit $5,000, they'll start to charge you as a percentage of your investment. 
So what I'm trying to say is if you're starting small or starting really frequently, what you want to do is look at brokerage accounts that will charge you as a percentage of a trade or will not charge you on a per trade basis, but maybe charge you a monthly fee. I think that's what Stake does. Don't worry, I'll be giving you a list of a bunch of brokers that you can look up at the end of this episode. So if you're looking to invest really frequently, you want something that is going to give you a low fee per trade or no fee per trade, but a more stable fee. And if you're looking to invest maybe bigger chunks on a less frequent basis, then you can start to look at apps that will charge you on a per trade basis. But because you're trading with larger amounts with a fixed fee, then you can kind of decrease the percentage fee that you're spending on your investment. So then the third question that we ask ourselves is how much choice do you want? When I started off, I started off with Comsec Pocket, like I'm sure many of you may have explored. And Comsec Pocket gives you the choice between seven ETFs, which means that I did not have much choice in terms of the ETFs that I could invest in. To be honest, as a new starter, I think that that's a really great thing. Analysis paralysis is definitely a real thing. And you don't want to start off feeling too overwhelmed. On the other hand, if you've done your research and you know that there's a different ETF that you want to invest in, or if there's a specific company you want to invest in, you can't be sticking with a trading platform, even if it's cheaper, if they're not going to be offering that investment to you. So it comes down to what are your goals when you start off? And if you know what you're going to invest in, you want to start off with something a little more mature or sophisticated because it's going to give you what you want straight from the get-go and there's no point in starting off with something basic if it's not going to give you what you want because after all we're investing on a very personal level for your own personal financial goals so please stick to the things that are going to work for you do your research and make the choices that are going to work for you both in the short term and the long term. So then the last question that I asked myself when I was choosing my broker is how much information do you need from your broker? Once again, when I started off, I was asking myself this kind of question and I also opened up different brokerage accounts so that I did get some of the information that I needed from one broker without actually using it on a frequent basis to actually make investments. But I was using the information that I was getting from that broker to actually inform some of my decisions and even just learn about companies that I knew that I was going to invest in in the future. So if you feel like you need a lot of information from your broker, you may want to consider a more sophisticated platform that will give you analyst insights, even candlestick charts, charts in general, a consolidated view of, for example, ASX announcements. And that's just going to make your life easier if you want to be able to access everything all in one place. But if you just want the cheapest fees, you can Google stuff. My final comment on fees is going to be, I've talked about fees this whole episode, but fees really do make a difference in your long-term investment strategy. And this is why the ability to invest passively that we have with such a wide range of brokers available today is that a 1% management fee has been shown to erode the value of your portfolio over 40 years by hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. 
even though 1% looks really small when you're making investments and you're paying $2, you're like, well, what's the difference to me now? If you keep ignoring management and brokerage fees for the sake of it's just a small amount, it does end up being a really big amount that you'll forego in the future because of all of the compound interest that you miss out on, the growth your money could give you otherwise. So a passive investment strategy is one that you get through an ETF or through individual stocks where no one is managing the portfolio, no one's trying to rebalance and sell and buy and sell and buy. So you're not paying any percentage on all of those accumulated brokerage fees, nor are you paying someone to try and make the portfolio the best performing it can be. So once again, really pay attention to those fees in the short term. Keep it a front of mind kind of thing because you want it to be front of mind once you start investing big dollars or even as you invest small dollars frequently because you don't want to be missing out on any money-making opportunities. So as I was saying before, I'm going to give you a consolidated list of some of the brokers that are available in Australia. Full transparency, I've only used Comsec and Comsec Pocket and I've downloaded Spaceship Rays just to give them a go, see what they look like. So all big four banks, as I mentioned, have a brokerage platform, so you can get that through any bank's website. Commonwealth Bank also has Comsec Pocket, which is a micro-investing app that allows you to invest in seven different ETFs, as I mentioned before. Then you've got Superhero, Spaceship, Raise, Stake. I think an online platform that I've heard of a lot that I haven't been able to suss out yet is Perla. And then you also have eToro. And then if you're investing in crypto, you can also look at some of the crypto wallets, which are where you can invest in cryptocurrencies. Crypto wallets that I've looked into include SwiftX and Coinbase. For cryptocurrencies, the same principle applies that you need some form of wallet to hold your currencies and actually trade them. So everything that I mentioned before is also valid for cryptocurrencies and you're just looking at different kinds of platforms. That's it for today. I think it's a bit of a shorter episode than what I usually give. I hope it's jam-packed full of valuable content for you and you start exploring these brokerage apps so that as we move forward, you can actually start looking into actually making some investments. Have a great day. You will hear me next week. Thanks for listening. Everything you heard today was general in nature and a reflection of my personal experience and opinions only. None of it is financial advice. I'm not a licensed financial advisor, so please contact one if you need to before making any big financial decisions. I'm all about making smart, well-thought-out decisions with your money, so do your own research before considering any stocks or products I may mention on the podcast. Oh, and don't forget any legal and tax implications that may arise from your investing adventures. I hope you had fun. See you next time.